An entitled Karen demands that I leave a water park simply because I have tattoos on my body, claiming that I'm trying to sway her kids and corrupt the children around me into getting tattoos for themselves. Things get so bad that she even tries to get a security guard to throw me and my friends out of this park. Here's what happened. So since it has started to warm up, me and some of my friends, all 19 to 22 years old, decided to go on a road trip and we decided the appropriate thing to do is to go to a water park as well as a theme park that we're right next to each other and just spend a few days out there for spring break. So we get the theme park out of the way first and have a good time. And then a few days later, we head to the water park. So here's the thing. It's a water park. So obviously I'm going to have my shirt off for a large amount of the time. I also happen to have a few tattoos, not to the point where my whole body is essentially covered, but I do have a good amount. I have one on my wrist that is barely even noticeable, which is some Japanese writing. The other one is on my other wrist and it's kind of hard to explain but it basically wraps around my wrist and has some lines crossing out of it. And it's way better than it sounds, I swear. The third and final one is the most noticeable one, since it is a big back tattoo of a cross. Anyways, we get there and the first day goes really well. It's a huge water park, so we obviously want to ride all of the slides. So I'm walking back to our table from the bathroom, and when I'm almost there, this lady, looking like she's in her mid-40s, walks up and actually stops me. And this is the entitled Karen of the story. I'm a bit confused. So I just wait a minute before saying, yeah, can I help you? And she immediately says that she has kids here and she doesn't want to see that. And when she said that, I did not know what she's referring to and was kind of hoping that nothing was sticking out of my shorts. This entitled Karen then immediately points to one of my tattoos on my wrist. She says that I don't want to see that. I respond to her by saying my tattoo. Is there anything wrong with it? She says, yes, this is a place for kids and I don't want you influencing them to get one of those things. So I'm not really annoyed. I'm just confused since this is a place where like 90% of the people have their shirts off and at least a few of them will have tattoos of some kind. So I tell her just that. Ma'am, this is a public place and everyone has their shirt off. A good amount of them probably have some tattoos as well. Now, as you could probably guess, she just completely ignores everything that I just said and tells me to put a shirt on, which I obviously just say, no, I'm not going to do that. She then tells me to put one on or she's going to call security. So I tell her, okay, go ahead and do that. And to my surprise, she walks off. I go back to my table and I sit down with my friends and they were literally watching everything go down. And I am a bit nervous since even though I know I wasn't in the wrong, I still didn't want to get in trouble with security. About five minutes later, when me and my friends go to another slide, she comes running up to us with a security guard right behind her. She turns to this security guard and tells him that I wasn't supposed to have my tattoos out in the open. And he was just as confused as I was, since he didn't see anything wrong, and she didn't say specifically it was the tattoos. He asked her what she was talking about, and she gets even more mad, and points at my tattoos and says, those right there, that's what I'm talking about. He asked her what's wrong with it, and she goes off on both of us, saying how I shouldn't have those in a kid's place, and she doesn't want her kids seeing this. The security guard turns to me and my friends and apologizes for her, and tells her to stop bothering me. Realizing she was not winning, the entitled Karen eventually storms off and I continue my trip with all of my friends. And thankfully, even though I saw this Karen a few more times in the park, I didn't have to deal with her or her horrible attitude ever again. That Karen is literally being obnoxious. Like first off, it doesn't sound like any of those tattoos were like super offensive. If they were a little bit sketchy or even had some kind of like writing or drawings on it that might not be appropriate for kids, I might even understand just a little bit why this entitled Karen would get upset. But even then, somebody else's tattoos 
tattoos on their body are none of your business. Like literally just leave people alone. If you don't want your kids seeing that, then have your kids avoid that person. Like that's my opinion at least. Let me know if you have a different opinion down in the comments. But straight up telling somebody that no, you have to leave because I don't like those tattoos. That's honestly ridiculous and so uncalled for. I'm sure those tattoos had some kind of meaning to the original poster. So it's also especially insulting for this Karen to be like, oh my God, they're so disgusting. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know them. You don't know why they got those tattoos in the first place. They could mean something really sentimental and you just don't even know. So thankfully, the security in this situation had the right head on their shoulders and they didn't take this garbage from this entitled Karen for a second. She was clearly out of line and she had no business bothering the original poster in the way that they did. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. My girlfriend broke up with me because I was incompatible with her friend and now I want to try and get back together with her as well as make amends with this friend, but I seriously don't know what to do. Last week, my now ex-girlfriend of two months broke up with me. I had been friends with her friend first and we had been friends for roughly eight years. My ex-girlfriend had been friends with her for over 10 years and before entering into a relationship, I was friends with my ex-girlfriend first. Her friend felt I didn't care about her friendship anymore. I don't know what I did or said that may have potentially started her friend to feel this way, but her friend never told me personally and I learned from my ex-girlfriend. I tried to make amends by calling her, but she has expressed doubt in sincerity and has questioned my intentions on multiple occasions, feeling like I was only doing certain actions to please my girlfriend. Some of the times, she, meaning my girlfriend's friend, has questioned my intentions, and some of those incidents involved me giving her a birthday gift or coming to a birthday dinner or other activities. She invited me to go golfing for her birthday, but I declined because of financial reasons, which really did upset her. My ex-girlfriend tried to get us to reconcile and be friends, but in her attempts, she has mentioned many occasions where her friend has expressed doubts in our relationship and has mentioned things that were deemed warning signs of incompatibility. Some of these things include having difficult values and things that I have said in the past, such as putting success above other things, but overall has failed to give full context. So I ended up explaining and giving the full context to my girlfriend. My girlfriend consistently pressured and brought up how the situation made her feel stuck in the middle. I tried to not talk about it in fear of making it worse, but she took that as a sign of unwillingness to speak about it. Unfortunately, it made me frustrated hearing the things her friend had to say about how I was not compatible as a dating partner with her. I sent her friend a text message expressing that I was sorry for not going golfing, but also felt our friendship was stagnant and very unhealthy. This text message, which my now ex-girlfriend was aware of and okay with prior to sending, which would then become upset about the following day, was pressuring me and focusing on my inability and my unwillingness to speak and reconcile. That's how this got twisted into something it wasn't. So I asked for a break of not talking to just think about how I would want to respond and the current state of our relationship. During this break of less than a week, before I could even give a proper response, my ex-girlfriend wanted to break up because I was so unwilling to let go of a friendship and that I was unwilling to speak about issues that were really important to her. During our discussion, I suppressed a lot of my personal feelings and I was trying to look at the bigger picture of still wanting to be in a relationship with her. I do think that my girlfriend put her friend's feelings over mine and was more influenced by what her friend had to say over what I said and felt. I know that I made mistakes both in my friendship and my relationship and I apologize to my ex-girlfriend for failing to be responsible and considerate in certain aspects. I do still 
still want to try to be with her, but she is unsure if she wants to be with me. I reached out once again to her friend, trying to reconcile our differences, but I have yet to hear anything back. I had a genuine care for her friend before, but after hearing some of the hurtful things that her friend said, I was unsure on what to think about the current state and whether it was a friendship worth pursuing. This is honestly so fresh, and I'm not sure how to approach the current situation. Is this something I should still be pursuing, both as a relationship and as a friendship? What should I do? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Honestly, if I was in your situation and I had a girlfriend that was that easily swayed by some dumb friend who was getting upset over the stupidest things possible, there's no way I would stick around with that relationship at all. Like seriously, your friend got upset because you didn't want to go golfing, which also literally goes back to the fact that you didn't go because of financial reasons. It's not that you didn't want to go and spend time with her. You literally couldn't afford it. And the fact that she can't understand that is really toxic. That's a massive red flag right there. It also sounds like your ex-girlfriend is not all there, if you will. She tried to claim all this stuff of like, oh, you're just not willing to speak. And she's trying to extrapolate all these minor instances into something that it's not. Literally making mountains out of molehills. And she was super easily swayed by her stupid friend that clearly had some kind of axe to grind with you. So I seriously think you can find much better relationships than this. They clearly do not have their ducks in a row. And in my opinion, I think you would be so much better off finding somebody else. An entitled customer demands that I make change for him at the convenience store I work at. But after I tried over and over again to explain that I don't have the change he needs, he freaks out on me and demands that I do it anyways. So I maliciously comply and by the end of it, this guy walks out with 99 $1 coins after buying a candy bar with a $100 bill. And I've never been happier to maliciously comply in my life. Here's what happened. Years ago, I worked at a convenience store and this store handled a lot of cash. We had a sign stating that bills over $20 were only accepted with manager approval. In practice, we could accept them after using the detector pen as well as a visual inspection. We also had a policy that we had to keep the cash in the drawer under a certain amount. We had a safe system to make deposits and get change, but it had limits and timers when dispensing. Depending on what was needed, it would take 30 minutes to make change for a $100 bill. So I was solo on the graveyard shift and I kept my drawer low and I didn't have to request change often. The drawer had five slots for bills and five pockets for coins, but we only kept ones, fives, tens, and twenties in the slots. Other bills and checks were put under until we had enough for a drop. The extra coin pocket was used for dollar coins, half dollar coins, as well as coins that people left. So if someone was a few cents short, we did have some spare change we could share. I kept my drawer under the limit. When I was on the graveyard, I was solo, and I kept my drawer very low and didn't have to request change that often. One night, one of our odd regulars came in and bought a bunch of stuff, and he paid with a dollar coin. They didn't fit the 
safe tube, so I had to keep them in the drawer. It was just over $100 in coins. I spread it out over all the slots so the one side wouldn't get too heavy, and the cash drawer would stick if it was too lopsided. I had also made a lot of change for payphones, as well as the air and water machines, or if people were buying items just to get change for laundry. I was down to three $1 bills, some dollar coins, zero quarters, a few dimes, and some nickels, as well as a bunch of pennies. Well, in walks a guy, and he comes up to the register with a 10-cent candy bar. He then slaps a $100 bill on the counter. I ask him if he will be getting anything else, and he says no. I then ask if he has anything smaller in terms of bill denomination, and he says no again, but a little bit louder. So I tell him, don't worry then. The candy is on the house. I can use the have a penny, leave a penny money just to pay for it. But when I say this, he gets mad and says he won't take charity, and I need to make change for him. I try to explain that I don't have the cash in my drawer, and it would take about 30 minutes to get the change. But he keeps interrupting me and not listening. He yells at me, you are legally required by law to take my legal tender and make change for me right now. And he had this giant attitude about him. So I say to him, okay. He tries to act smug like he won something when I pick up the bill and take it away from him. I pull out my detector pin and he starts complaining and moaning. I use the pen in view of the camera. Then I hold the bill up to inspect it in the view of the camera. I then put the bill in a safe tube to drop it in as we are supposed to drop large bills on graveyard before even opening the drawer. Then I make the slip and I drop that afterwards. The customer is still standing there smugly grumbling and I enter the amount tendered into the register. Now the counter is raised and the drawer is just below the counter so it's out of reach of the customers unless they lean and reach over. It also doesn't pop open like usual this time because of the weight of all the coins. I open the drawer and I push the three singles back in their slot so that the customer can't see them even if he leans over to look in the drawer. He's being dramatic and turning to make a show of how long he is waiting and making a face of oh can you believe this to an audience of literally no one so he doesn't notice at first that I'm pulling all of those one dollar coins out. I pull out all the 88 cents or so in change mostly nickels and then start pulling out all the dollar coins and putting them on the counter. He turns around and sees the coins and asks me what in the world is this? So I tell him, I am required by law to accept legal tender and make change. You are required by law to accept the legal tender as change. This is what I have available. He continues having a fit, saying, well, you should have told me. But I tell him, well, I tried explaining, sir, but you kept interrupting me and insisting that I make you change. I go back to counting out the $99 coins. He is silent for a bit and then asks me, how in the world am I supposed to get this home? So I told him that I'm not responsible for his change after I give it to him. Eventually, he gathers up the rest of the coins and kind of makes a pseudo pocket and slinks off into the darkness. So maybe next time, if this guy learned how to listen, he would avoid having to carry around 99 $1 coins simply because he was being stubborn. Honestly, that guy got exactly what he deserved. He was being so rude to this guy at the cashier desk. He was not letting them talk. He was not listening to anything they were saying. And honestly, this is what you get. Just treat cashiers with respect. Like, is it seriously that hard? Especially when they're just being normal and nice to you. Like this guy came in with a chip on his shoulder and was obviously trying to make change. And if he had just listened, he could have avoided this entire fiasco in the first place. I believe that my parents resent me for starting my own family. And at this point, I seriously don't know what to do. So I had somewhat of a revelation this weekend. I'm still processing how I feel about it and considering if I should confront my parents. Anyways, here it is. I believe my parents resent me for starting my own family. I'm a 40-year-old male and I come from a big family 
family. I'm the second oldest of nine kids. My older sister, by the name of Jessica, that's not her real name, is just a year older than me. There is a six-year gap between me and the next sibling. Then, my mom had a kid every two or three years. Since Jessica and I were the oldest, we always helped with the little kids, as well as the chores around the house. In fact, it was common for my parents and the other adults to refer to us as a separate group than the kids. It's like Jessica and I were not even considered children. It's more like we were two other adults living in the house. We were homeschooled, so we were home all the time. Part of my supposed job is that I would wake up, make breakfast for the kids, then get them started with their school and other activities before I start my own schoolwork. Jessica would sleep in because she was more of a night owl, and it was her job to help at night with the baby because, of course, there was always a baby. Jessica and I did most of the chores around the house. We took turns either cleaning the kitchen or doing the laundry, and as you can probably guess, there was a lot. I did all of the guy stuff like mowing the lawn and taking out the trash. As I got older, I would delegate some of these chores to my younger brothers, but it was still my responsibility to make sure it all got done. Once I was old enough to drive, I would run errands and take the kids everywhere. I can't tell you how many times I would take the kids to things like playdates or doctor's appointments. I would often tuck the kids in bed and tell them stories. To me, these things were all just normal, but looking back on it, I was more like a second dad to the kids rather than a brother. Now, Jessica and I did have a lot of freedom as teenagers to go out with our friends. That is, if the chores were done. We didn't have cell phones back then, and if we wanted to go out, we would have to just tell our parents we were going out, and they honestly didn't care, as long as we were back by the next morning. I moved out of the house when I was 20 years old, but I still spent a lot of time at my parents, and one of my younger siblings was almost always at my house. One brother, by the name of Jacob, not his real name, pretty much lived with me since he was about 14, because he and our mom just didn't get along. When Jacob was 17 years old, he got into a car accident and ended up calling me instead of dad because I was just the one who handled these types of things. During all of this time, my parents always talked about how important it was for Jessica and myself to help out with the kids because they were just too busy with their ministry. I can't count how many times I had to drop what I was doing just to take care of something because my mom and dad were counseling someone else. Now, I had not dated much when I was younger, but when I was 25 years old, I met and started dating my girlfriend by the name of Sarah. Sarah is not her real name. We fell in love fast and got married less than a year later. My younger siblings love Sarah. She is a great cook and a great hostess. Our house became the hangout spot almost instantly. My younger siblings started calling her Mama Sarah, something they still do to this day. We have now been married for 15 years and we have two kids of our own. My mom and Jessica did not like Sarah. Jessica and Sarah get along okay now, but Sarah and my mom do not have a good relationship. I never understood why, but I think I have finally figured out it's because they see it as Sarah taking me away. As Sarah and I focus on our relationship and starting our own family, I spent less and less time doing things for my parents. My dad liked Sarah at first, but over the past few years, their relationship has soured as well. Throughout the years, my dad has made comments to me about keeping up my responsibilities. One time, he called me about one of the younger siblings who had gotten in a fight with my mom and said, you better get your brother and change his attitude. It's not okay how he treated your mother and you are going to make him apologize. A few years ago, Sarah and I had to set some boundaries with my parents, telling them we were not going to raise or discipline their children. Our home is always open to my siblings, but we no longer let my parents try to use us to straighten them up. And as you can probably guess, my parents have not taken this well. About a year ago, Sarah injured her foot and couldn't walk for a while. Just as she 
was getting better, I was diagnosed with kidney disease, which then turned into kidney failure. I've had several surgeries, with another one coming up in a few weeks. It's been a rough year, and during this time, my parents have not only refused to help, they have actively made things harder for us. Things like promising to help with our kids, but then canceling at the last minute, and it's usually because of some ministry-related thing. Recently, my sister-in-law, who lives in another state, had a baby, and my mom has been staying with her and helping her for the past six weeks. My sister-in-law has said that my mom is a godsend and is so wonderful. My dad has also gone to help every weekend. Now, when I found this out, this really hurt me, because my mom wouldn't even give us a single night to help with our youngest when he was born. Anyways, I'm sorry this post turned out longer than I thought it would be. I needed to get some of this off my chest. This weekend, I was talking to another sister and telling her how I don't understand why mom and dad don't treat me like they do the rest of the kids. It seems like I'm not even one of their children anymore. And it just kind of hit me that they resent me for getting married and starting my own family and leaving them to raise their own kids. Part of me is relieved to finally realize why they treat me the way they do. And part of me is really sad. I'm kind of scared about this upcoming surgery. And I really wish I had a parent I could talk to about it. But I don't feel like I have any parents and I just have people that I co-parented my siblings with. This has all just been very frustrating and it honestly has been a lot to take in. What an awful circumstance. Your parents sounded like they were very absent in your upbringing. Like they pretty much passed off everything to you and your sister. And that's really weird to me. I totally understand that you know what? You have a big family and you probably had to help out to make sure things happen. But that shouldn't be at the cost of your parents being parents. Like there's no reason for them to just pass it along and say, okay, it's your job now. Like, no, that's not how this works. And if I was in your shoes, I would have set up boundaries as well. If I'm trying to start my own family and I'm trying to do my own thing, I should not have to step in and discipline someone else's kids, even if they are my own siblings. That's not fair in the slightest and it should not be that way. It sounds like mom and dad have to step up and I really feel like you did the right thing by saying no, enough is enough. And I think you hit the nail on the head. They clearly no longer have a freebie when it comes to getting their kids taken care of. So good for you for thinking about you and your wife and your kids first. It really does suck the way your parents are treating you and I honestly am so sorry for what you're dealing with, but hopefully one day they can come around and see that you are a valuable member of the family and you truly deserve to be treated like family in the first place. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.